Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Fuel Stop Chats. I'm James. I'm Chris. And I got a story for you. I kick it off with a little bit of a story, um, a little bit of an update for you, Chris, and um, maybe some humor for the the peanut gallery that's listening. So I, if you haven't really listened to a lot of our broadcasts or know the history of James and Chris, one of the things that really stands out is James is not a carpenter. <laughs> so hold on, folks. In case you missed it, James is not a carpenter. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I think I am. I, I tell myself that I am. I have grandiose ideas of shit that I think that I can do. And then I get into the middle of it and I'm like, uh yeah, this is not good. So I did some tile work in the house uh, a few years back. And it turned out great. It's tile on the wall, nice, smooth surface, put it up, looked great. Even my wife was like, holy shit, you've never done this before. I was like, no, I watched a YouTube video. I know what I'm doing. And it actually worked out. So we, we bought a, a new house. It's like a 1939 house. It's very old and it just has some worn out features inside. So we decided that we were going to put in a new bathroom, you know, rip out the toilet, rip out the sink, any cabinetries, all of that. And then we were looking at the tile on the floor and we decided that needed to go too. And I had thought about just laying it on top of the tile that was there. I thought, no, because it's not really going to match up to the threshold on the door. So I got the power hammer and I ripped out all of the tile that was in there only to find mosaic tile underneath it. Now the mosaic tile was the original from 1939. And I think back in its day, it was gorgeous, but it was all jacked up. Um, There's a lot of pieces missing and just broken and cracked. And it, it wasn't going to be able to restore at my level with taking all of the thin set off that was used to put the, the other tile on. Now, it wasn't exactly even. There were some sways and moves and buckles. Like I said, it wasn't in the best shape. But I figured I throw, you know, thin set down. I put enough thin set down and leaving it out. I put the tile on, let it sit, let it dry and be good. So I did that. And when I did it, I was like, hmm, it looks a little hinky. We'll just go ahead and we'll keep pushing forward with this because, you know, there's nothing like throw, throwing good money after bad. Let's go get all the grout and spend the time grouting all that in. So I grouted it all in and then it really looked like dog shit. And uh, my wife was like, did you level it? And I said, no, I figured the, the thin set would do that. Uh, we looked at it for a couple days. And then, nope, that had to go. So I dug the power hammer back out and chipped all that tile up, <laughs> went and bought new tile and some self-leveling concrete, mixed up the self-leveling concrete. Oh, yeah, tore the toilet out and all that, wax ring, the whole nine yards. Foamed in around the toilet, poured in the, the self-leveling, let it sit overnight. I looked at it and it was smooth as silk. It was gorgeous. And then I thought to myself, why am I putting tile on this? 
I could get some pigment, run another batch of self-leveling, color it, lay it down. So we decided we were going to do that. My wife said, it'd be really great if we could put some like gold metallic flake in there. Cause like the, the, the faucet and all that's gold. So it's like, all right. So we got that I mixed it up and we laid it in and it was a little ripply, a little, some bumps and curves. And we got a little crazy with the gold metallic, like way too much. And uh, went back and looked at it. I was like, nope, this, this looks like dog shit. So let's just get another batch. We'll throw another batch of self-leveling concrete on top of there. Because I don't want to rip out the other stuff. And uh, th that one went in nicely. Um, where the you know the two buckets matched up. There was a little bit of a, uh, you know, I, an area there. So I got the grinder, ground that down. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to have to distress all of it. And uh, went ahead and ground the entire bathroom floor of black concrete uh not purchasing that shroud that goes over the you know the the angle grinder that hooks to the shop vac that sucks up all of the dust so now i've got a black dusted bathroom um floor to ceiling hallway doors it's uh pretty much everywhere in the house and um the threshold is about <laughs> two inches lower than the concrete so i had to grind all that down but i tell you that story not only to say that i am not a carpenter but the bathroom actually looks spectacular at this point but there's a very important message in here the trades just hire somebody that actually knows what they're doing to do the job right the first time because all the extra money that I paid in here, I probably could have just paid somebody to come in, lay the floor in the first time, get it right, be done with it and be happy. But I wanted to do it for myself. I wanted, I, I thought I could do it. I, I eventually did. It took me a few times, but I look at my daughter who's having, uh, she's having a hard go at college. It's just not really in, she's not gelling well with it. And I look at trade school. And I want to talk tonight about college versus trade school and the trades. And I think it's something that as parents, we overlook that. And we, we always have that sense of pride to want to say that our child is going to college. Me personally, I give two shits about college. I didn't go myself, but I wanted her to have that experience, but I don't know if this is for her. And I told her that, and she said, well, she's, you know, I have to go to college because how am I going to get a good job? I was like, look at me. I said, I did the army route, but I, I do pretty well. I'm li we're living in a nice house. We live a good life. I mean, we're not rich by any means, but it's a trade. It's, I, you know, for me, it was IT certification, but I want to get your take on it. I know that, you know, you come from a family of tradesmen, true tradesmen, uh, electrician, carpenter. I mean, your dad's a farmer. I mean, that's the, the original trade. So <laughs> I, I would like to get your thoughts because I know that, you know, both of your daughters went through college and, you know, here you got one going into the trades. Got a college degree. Doesn't mean jack shit with what she's applying herself in today. So I will kick that over to you. 
man, I'm sitting here thinking about why didn't he use self-leveling concrete the first time? And then the second time, why didn't he just go get a stain and stain the concrete, whatever color and, and caught the, be done. Yeah, we're talking it. about trade school now, not about James. And then, about. then Let's I'm go. thinking about the grinder and how simple it would have been. Just take a thin layer of, of just make it moist. And <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. You know, ah, anyway, here's the, here's the thing about, uh, you know, when kids ask me these questions about, you know, what, what, what I do, what do I, there's, there's the kids that are the oddballs that actually know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Like Haley, nine years old. I want to be a school teacher. By God, she went straight on a string through college, got her teaching certs. She's a teacher. Happy as can be. Sophie said, I think I want to do this. And then she gets into it. She's like, nah, not really. And she changed her major, but still graduates in three years, three and a half years. Really kicked ass in college. Did great. She gets out. Every job wants five to seven years experience minimum. Mm-hmm. Entry-level jobs. It's like uh, you almost have to pay them to hire you. And um, we had an intern program going for her to be an associate sales, you know, engineer. And so she started down the path and she's like, yeah, I kind of dig it. There's facets of it. I don't like, but um, you know, there's, there's facets of it. I really do like Yeah. now what has benefited her from college is the real, the, the roundness of her education and theater has really helped her uh, in sales presentations. Yep. And uh, and public speaking and and things like that that she got through theater and through through school has definitely benefited her in this sales engineering role. I have a brother who's a millwright. I got another brother who's a certified boilermaker. Uh, he's a master carpenter. He's one of a handful of people in the union that can do the concrete. Uh, they do this special kind of forms for multi-story concrete garage buildings and and hotels and four, he's on a 14 story building project right now and setting the scaffolding and the forms for this special, special kind of floor that they put in. Um, he's, he's made a great living at doing that. And, um, and then, like you said, dad's a farmer and, you know, laborer and Jack of all trades. Cause on the farm, you know, you weld, you blacksmith, you, <laughs> you fix your own cars, you, you know, you don't have money to pay anybody to do anything. Right. Yeah. Um, Timing the Baylor, maybe I think was the only time we ever had to get somebody to come in and help us do anything. Um, and I think it really boils down to uh, the same thing. I would say my brother and I had this conversation and he was giving me, he's giving me grief about being a, a, a suit. And uh, I said, look, man, we grew up in the same house. You know, I can still throw a calf down and, and denut that sucker in a couple of minutes. So, you know, don't forget that. And, uh, he chose the path. This is a guy, my, my next to me, brother. Um, my youngest brother is, uh, he's the millwright electrician plumbing. He, he can do a little bit, all of it. Um, but you know, this guy was an all state running back, got recruited to go to just about any school he wanted to go to. Didn't want to go to college enough that football wasn't enough of an incentive mm-hmm. to go to college. He wants to work outside. He doesn't want to work in an office. And so that's the path he chose and he's happy. Yeah. And I'm happy doing what I do. Troy's happy doing what he does as a millwright. And 
I think Sophie's fine in her path, right? I think in life, the thing that is the biggest, this is the biggest thing I've noticed in my 60 years of, of existence. You're not going to always know what you want to be. And you don't always, you're not always, you know, the kids get hung up like, oh, so-and-so wants to be a doctor. Okay, great. They're on a path to be a doctor. But do you want to be a doctor? Yeah. Right. And so when you when you accept that fact, you what you then find is you have to be open to finding your path. And how do you find your path? You got to try a few things out. And, and people get hung up on this, you know, oh, gosh, I tried this job out and I thought it was going to be great and it sucked and I want to do something different. And they re-educate themselves and they go do something different. That's okay. That's the thing that's really disheartening. I mean, it's like, do not feel like you are somehow behind or somehow less than because you can't figure out what you want to be when you grow up. Who 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 knows what job is going to find you as you go through life? You you might want to be a, a photographer. You might want to be a writer. Now your quest is figuring out how to make money doing it so you can live. And what's enough money and blah, 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 right? Yeah. But but at the end of the day, I think the, the biggest misnomer with this whole educational thing, whether you go the college route or you go the military or you go the uh, you know, vo-technical, you know, training. It's, it's not about that thing. It's about you. It's about what are you going to enjoy getting up and going to work doing? And, and how do you figure out, figure out how to make money at what you're passionate about, That's figure it. out how to make money about what you like doing or find a job that has facets of what you really are passionate about that can get you through the other lumpy stuff when it's not so great, you know? Um, and, and, and the stigma that we've created has created a massive vacuum in the trades. Yes, it has. And so I tell people all the time, it's like, look, man, a, a roofer can get 50 bucks, you know, uh, an hour. Uh, a plumber can make 150, 200 bucks an hour. Uh, yep. You know, uh, they're, they're electricians. I mean, they're, these people are in high demand. They're short in numbers, and I think that if that's the path the kid wants to go down. But I will say, I think we also have to open our mind up a little bit about what the trades are, right? So maybe the trade is you're a web developer. Maybe the trades are you're a graphic artist. Maybe your trade, you know what I mean? It's so I don't yeah. think that I don't think we need to limit it to the the plumber the electrician the the carpenter you know I, I think trades today mean something different and i think the education is different um you know you talked about the the it certification track you you could pay to go to a certification course as opposed to college you could get a couple of really killer certs and chase down the it path Cybersecurity has a million unfilled jobs right now. Literally. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. No, it's that that's a literal number. A million, a million unfilled, unfilled jobs. jobs. Do you need and a college education? No. Uh, I don't think so. I think if you were a master hacker and you could go to work for somebody and say, you might want to fix this back door, you might want to code this differently, you might want to guess what? You will get paid a lot of money. 
to go and it's, solve those problems. And it's not a job that's ever going away as the IT uh-huh. industry grows, which that's not going away anytime soon. There's always going to be security risks. You know, I think that there's the, always the stigma of the blue collar, right? And maybe that's something that we grew up in the seventies, you know, where it, you know, it's, you're a blue collar guy. You got a white collar guy. You got a blue collar guy. I don't think there's really a collar anymore. When you start looking at, you know, oh, a plumber is a blue collar. Hey, a plumber after 10 years starts his own business. That, that blue collar is making 150 to $200,000 a year. That's not really it's more than me. That's, you know, that's, that surely is not blue collar in my eyes. I mean, that's driving an yeah. S class. Uh, it's there's the stigma of you're in the trades. That means you're digging ditches. It's not that, you know, <laughs> when I look at the prices of schools, you know, the average college education for a four year bachelor's degree in a, a BA in basket weaving $150,000. Easy. You go to a trade school at max two years, 33,000 total. You're walking out and you're getting into a job of fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. I don't see a lot of college students. I know when when Sky graduated college, he was hard pressed to find a job that was going to pay him more than thirty five, forty thousand dollars a year. And he well, couldn't believe it. He was sort of, you know, beside himself, like, well, I've got this college education. I was like, Yeah, but you have zero experience. Right. You look at Look at how upside down things are education-wise. You you pay a hundred thousand dollars and you get a college degree to be a school teacher to make forty five thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars a year. And yeah, if I know I know one listener that's listening to this just shaking her head right now. If you've assumed debt to get that college degree and you're only making fifty grand a year as a school teacher, your your hopes of ever paying that money back. Never right. And so so do I think educators are paid well enough? No, not good ones. Uh, do I think there are people that are educators by title that don't do a great job? I do. And they're probably getting what they deserve. Right. But we need to pay for performance and figure out a better way uh, in academia to reward those teachers that that are making that difference and that are yes. changing these kids' lives. But by the same token, dude, go down to the to the sub the uh, I want to make sure I don't say this the wrong way. Uh, at the company we work for, there's a there's a business unit that does software development. Mm-hmm. And if you go down there and hang out with the coders, you're seeing shorts and flip flops and no collars, right? And these yep. dudes aren't they're not broke, and they're working their own hours. They're coming in and they're working. Some guys really like to be there at four in the morning and leave at three o'clock or two o'clock. Some guys just come in at two and like to leave at ten. You know. Uh, right when it starts kicking in, you know, in the clubs, I cut out of work at 10, 10 30, boom, I'm out of the clubs. I'm having a good time making a good buck, you know, and you, you talk to them about the education and what they got in college. They could have gotten a two-year program if it was a focused program. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I, I think, you know, for me, the word trade is, uh, I think that's blurry nowadays. Like you said, the blue and the white collar, whatever. I think those are blurry lines. And I think that what we have to get in our mind is, again, you know, be an artisan and a craftsman at whatever you do. You know, be a master at whatever you do. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's only going to come through practice. And so, you know, figure out what you really like doing, figure out what you're passionate about, and then figure out how to make money doing it. And then figure out, okay, let me back into it. What do, what do I need education-wise? What do I need experience-wise? How do I how do I get that experience? You know, who do I intern and understudy with? And, you know, and how do I how do I go about doing those things? And I think it's that kind of uh, an open mind to I'm going to say educating ourselves, right? And I don't mean in the sense of book smarts, but what's going to make a difference for a company or a business? Some of the greatest ideas and some of the greatest monetary achievements are not by the PhDs and and greatest academic minds at all, right? No, and and I'm not taking anything away from that. I think that, you know- No, I think there, again- You have to have study, you have to have, you know, scientists that are, are- you know, yep. proving theories of quantitative and qualitative qualities of something. You're you're always going to have to have that. We won't move forward and and really get to that next level as a civilization without that mindset. But there's a lot of you know a lot of backs that that's got to be carried on, and there's a lot of people that can do that work. Uh, you know, it's funny. It, I was. We had the, the our two dogs. My wife wanted to get them trimmed. I didn't feel like taking them anywhere, and she was going to take them. I didn't feel like she had to, you know, try to take off time to go do that. So I called a mobile groomer. There's two mobile groomers in town. Called the first one. We're not taking any new clients. So I called the second one. I said, "You're on a four to six month wait list for a new client." It's like that. I live in a big area. I mean, if I wanted to go into tampa proper i'm sure that there's more but where i live in the the suburbs of wesley chapel there was two outfits that i could find on google facebook or anything else i started looking into this a mobile pet groomer on average makes 100 to one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in their own business and buy a sixteen thousand dollar used mobile grooming van that's already set up to take the dog or cat in there, wash it, trim it, do whatever you need. That's a lot of money. That is a Not lot bad. of money. Yeah, I told bad. my daughter, I said, this is the perfect job for you. You get to be with pets all day and you don't have to interact with people except when you give them their pet back. This is great. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is, but the, it's jobs like that. That's a trade. Right. That is exactly. But you make your own hours. You're self-employed. You don't answer to anybody. I mean, dude, come on. That's that's not a bad gig. It's not a bad gig at all. The insurance side, of course, you know, you got to pay for that. There's there's going to be insurance. There's going to there's going to be costs that are incurred with that. But that's with starting any business on your own. You know, you're not (laughs) going to have a a corporate headquarters that's going to provide you some kind of insurance uh and by all means is that that's not the best anymore out there with a lot of companies i know people that are paying 500 dollars a month after their company pays their portion so some are paying 800 900 yeah there is that cost but all right let's let's say it's a a thousand a month all right let's subtract that 12 off of 130 if you're a 20 year old and you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year your life is sitting pretty darn good. And who's to say that you couldn't perfect the process, franchise that business out, become a franchisor, 
mm-hmm. and and have thousands of people everywhere pet grooming for you, right? They're self-employed, they own their franchise, but you get a cut. You know, you're getting you're getting six to eight percent of that money um, because you've perfected the process. You went to the trouble to document it and create a, 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 a an achievable model that's reproducible and um yeah so i mean you know again what do you want to do and how do you want to get yourself compensated um and what's enough no and that's that's what i was about to say i know that's the other problem these big numbers out there but you don't necessarily need that much you know what's enough for you each person is going to be individually different how do you want to live? How do you want to save? What do you want to drive? What do you want to eat? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Those are all things that individually are on each person. I but mean, you're saying that you're saying that like a white collar guy. I am. What do you want to, where do you want to live? And what do you want to drive? I know people who could care less about having a big house or having a, a, a big fancy car. I talked to a dude that uh, in Tennessee, in an Uber, he's an Uber driver in Nashville. And I said, how long have you been living in Nashville? He says, oh, I lived here all my life. And he says, but I'm not really here all that much. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to noodle that through. You're an Uber driver in Nashville. You you got to be here some. He goes, oh, don't get me wrong. He says, I come here and he goes, I, I'll just crush it as hard as I can, drive as many freaking hours as legally they'll let me. I get a bunch of bank. And he said, I grab a surfboard and I take off for Hawaii. And I surf the season in Hawaii. Then I come home. I drive my Uber like a fiend. I grab my board. I go to South Africa. I come home. I drive like a fiend. I go to Australia. I come home. I go to Thailand. I come home, you know. And so. And I know people like with motorcycles that do that. I'm sitting in the back seat going, I want that dude's job, right? Because he can, he he shares a house with three or four other people that live the same kind of lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? They they all share the cost of the house because neither none of them are there all the time, right? But there's always somebody there, and and it works out where the house is always tended to. They all have their seasonal things. Somebody likes skiing, snowboarding, right? Somebody likes perfect. So when he's surfing, somebody's trying to find a place to go skiing, snowboarding, whatever, and you know, the other people that are whatever they do. And so when you, when you think about it, it really comes down to quality of life and what is your quality of life? Yes. You look at Tracy, we we talked to her, you know, we're going to talk to her next month because we're not going more than a month again. Yep. 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 But, but you talk to her and she thought that, well, house, husband, kids, great job, great income, work till you're retired. That's how it goes. That was the script. Her script got flipped upside down, Mm -hmm. right? What does she do? Well, I'm going to flip it right back at you. I'm selling all this crap, all this stuff that I thought was everything. Without the other person, it doesn't mean anything. Look at disorderly drifters. Boom. Buy a bike, travel the world. Yeah. 30 something years old they really don't have any ties to the to their world or to their you know to a place sell it all buy a monkey travel travel the world, world. yeah, yeah. They, so again they, they have talents they i mean they're all tradesmen of one sort or another 
they get jobs along the way. They bank a little money. They get back on the monkey. They drive a little bit further. It's, it's all what you want to make quality of, of your life. life, quality of life. And yeah. so it's, you know, the, the monetary things and the money, you know, if I could, if I could take off with a bike and a tent and, and that's all I had to worry about in life, I probably would do that. That's probably what I would do. And I would stop back here every cycle of the moon and, you know, whatever. Um, I've gotten so far down the path. I'm trying to get off the path. I'm at the point in my career where it's time to get off the path. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm going to change, change the rule. The rules are changing for me. Um, but I think about it and I think about when I was single and I was in the army and, you know, traveling all over the place and doing some cool stuff. And here's the thing. I wanted a family. I wanted to settle down and have a family and mm -hmm. I, and I, and the, the life on the, in the, that for me personally, I didn't want my kids growing up where they were moving every couple of years and you know, whatnot. So that was my quality of life choice. Right. So now what do I got to do? Well, now, now you get yourself in a position where it's like, Hey, by choice, I want to have this family by choice. I need a house for this family by choice. Yep. I need a minivan for this family. Right. And so those things dictate how you work and what you do. Now I'm sitting here with no bills, uh, empty nest. My wife and I are like, how much money do you really need to make? Like, maybe we could just quit. Like, maybe we just stop doing this. You know, maybe we could live on a whole lot less. No, I mean, as far as travel it. goes, I've been literally around the world. I don't know. I mean, yes, there's always places I'd like to go see. But is it a must-see or could I just enjoy a train ride from Nova Scotia to Vancouver in the fall? And that's my trip for the year. You know, yeah. maybe I take a back road West Virginia motorcycle trip for a long weekend, meet some buddies, you know, and hang out and camp out by a, a really cool bridge, you know, or who knows? Ishwaya, that's, you know, my, that's my only, really my motorcycle bucket list is pretty, pretty completed. I want to get Ishwaya. I've got to get to Prudhoe Bay. That's uh, that's one of them on my list that I want to get knocked out. I would like to do the Arctic Circle, but it's not on my list. It's a, yeah. Yeah, it's not a must-have. It's yeah, I'd do it. Ah, it's a must-have. I don't know if it's a must-have. It'd be a nice to have. I'll put it that way. I mean, yeah. I'd like to go back to Europe on a bike. Um, yeah, I would love to do some of those passes. Yeah, you know, you know between Northern Italy, and, Italy and all that. Yes, yeah. yeah, you know. Ride the, well, mostly uh, for the scenery. I'm at well, the age where I, I'm not going to light it on fire going around the Stelvio Pass. You know, no. I'm going to enjoy the heck out of the scenery, though. Yeah, right. Take lots of pictures and video, and but again, quality of life. What's it take to do that? Right. So you figure out what you want to do and what you enjoy, and then you figure out how you pay for it. And and because if if what you're doing is the joy, and how you pay for it is is the thirty percent you know, to your life, yeah. then there, there you go. You've got a killer work-life balance, right? I'm just working to, like that kid in Nashville. I'm working to support my surfing habit, you know? Now I'm sure somewhere down the road, he's going to probably want something else, but for right now, why not? No. And I mean, no. I was the same way with the army. I mean, I was in the army for over 10 years before I decided, I think I want to settle down soon. Yeah. But in that 10 years, it's like, Every time it came time to re-enlist, I was like, where do I want to go to next? Because I don't want to stay here anymore. Yeah, that's so how I 
Yeah, that's I just kept moving around. I kept the things that I owned. I lived in the barracks. The things that I owned could fit in two duffel bags and a, and a, a rucksack, a large ruck. That's everything I had. I could fit everything I owned except for my drum set that stayed at my dad's house. Everything I could own, I could fit in the trunk of my Camaro and go wherever I needed to go whenever yeah. I wanted. And it was that was the lifestyle that I wanted at that time. And then, right. yeah, like I said, all right, I think it's time I want to settle down. Yeah. And I got out because I wasn't going to live that lifestyle anymore. And I think, again, I think it's all about quality of life. I think it's all about, again, you know, you figure out what you want to do and and the worrying about how you want to pay for it becomes less substantial. Less it's, you know, so, so what if you're not an Uber driver next year? Well, go do something else to pay for yep. the thing, you know, again, and you know, if you had a trade and you could deliver it, like if you're an electrician, you're surfing in Hawaii, you tell me you couldn't go fix some stuff for somebody in Hawaii to make a little bit of money while you're there. Absolutely. You could. Yep. Right? Especially with the social media and the, the way that everything is connected now. You can dude, you get some kind of presence in social media. You say, Hey, I'm in this town. You could find work. People are especially getting especially from the trades. People are getting paid lots of money because they are TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, YouTube sensations. They're they're celebrities on television shows. They are invited to be on celebrity cooking shows. Like, who's this guy? Oh, he's a YouTuber. Like, yeah, okay. It's beyond me. I don't know. I don't get that all the shit. But you know what? Just like this podcast, it takes work. Yep. It takes some some commitment. And those people that are doing that on They're the They're working day, their asses off. They are working their ass off. And so I don't begrudge them making a million dollars because they're YouTube video sensations. Good for you. They found a niche. You they know, found there's something families, that passionate there's, about. There's families that have decided as a family that they're going to be Instagram, TikTok, YouTube famous. And that's what the whole family does. They, they spoof and goof and get paid good money for it. And the whole family's involved. It's like, what a great way to make a living as a family. So, you know, there's no limit to how you can make money. That don't, that's not no. it. college trade school, whatever. Uh, what people are really needing to focus on is quality of life. And they need to focus on that a lot. Our, our mental health issues, the anxiety in society today, uh, it's just, it's at an all time high. And it and it's because of the insecurity about where I'm going to make my next meal or who's going to be my friend or who's going to, you know what I mean? It's like, we've got it. We've got to figure out, we got to get it figured out. Like it's all about quality of life. And how you put food on a table what kind of table is it? Who cares? Like, you, you know, can of beans, beans and weenies over a hot fire in the middle of the woods sometimes to me would be heaven, you know, it is heaven. So again, I, I think if this is this society, I don't, we got, we got it wrong somewhere when we, when we beat kids into, you know, going to college for like that, I don't want to go to college. Okay. Don't, what do you want to do? You know, I want to be a welder. Great. Go be a kid. Go be the best welder you can be. Yep. Start your own fabrication shop. Do whatever. You know what I mean? Do do what there's there's ways to make it. The two guys that started waste management, everybody laughed at them for hauling trash. I don't know if you check lately, but waste management's publicly traded. That's a that's a legit big business. Billions. 
and they're hauling trash. Who cares? Yep. Who cares? Who, who cares? Now talk about talk to those two guys about their quality of life. They'll tell you it's pretty good. Yeah, they did their time. They paid their dues as everybody does, but they figured it out, man. Yeah. I mean, and then we only got a couple minutes left, but that's also the flip side of it. You know, you talk about the guy in, in the Uber, even if he didn't like it, sometimes you do a shit job. So you can have that quality of life somewhere else. hundred percent. Does he, is he mad about being, you know, like mad, crazy in love with being an Uber driver? No, he's simply to him. It was purely how he funds his surf trips a means to an end. And that piece of his business, his life was so small compared to riding those hundred foot waves. He just didn't care. Yep. Like, I'll go do this for a few months so I can go back out in the water. You know, that's perspective, man. That's a healthy, you know, that dude doesn't care about anything. So that's what we got to get quality of life. It's a, it's about the time you spend with your family. It's about the time, the quality of the time you spend on this planet that matters. It is. All right. We got a minute left, so we need to wrap it up, but, uh, I appreciate the, the chat today. And, um, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not doing any more carpentry, but what I will do is, uh, I will, I will see what kind of trades people are out there and maybe forego that. I'll tell you this, if, if you're listening and you're in the trades, find out where James lives. There'll be plenty of screw ups so you can make a lot of money <laughs> fixing. <laughs> yeah. Talk to the two guys that just charged me $1,500 and put in a French drain. All right. <laughs> As always, Chris, good seeing you. Uh, listeners, thanks for listening, all five of you. So I appreciate every one of you. Uh, but uh, aside from that, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Right it's out. been good, brother. Really good. Always enjoy our time. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Right or out. Right or out. <laughs>